Good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning, James. How are you? I, you know what? It's allergy season, so I guess we can just say that. <laughs> Full bore, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So excuse me to anybody viewing this saying, boy, you sound a little different this uh, month. Yeah, I do. And it wasn't because of the last no, month. No, 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 no. No, no, but it could have been. Yep. Well, <laughs> well, welcome to the Great Financial Sense Podcast, episode 14. Yep. We've, uh, we had a great month of topics. Sure. And the summer is over. Summer's over, yep. So I guess we'll kind of jump right in, looking at the market update and how September looked. Sure. Well, um, I don't know if everyone was aware, but uh, September was a bumpy month. Uh, certainly a bumpy month from the perspective of we got a pullback. We got a much anticipated pullback in the S&P 500. The bond market too kind of walked back a little bit just due to interest rate volatility. But we'll cover the reasons why we feel you know, there was some of that chop this month. But you know, the S&P 500, this is going to be the top 500 companies in the US, actually finished down 4.65% for the month of September. Right. Bonds kind of closed the month out down 0.85. So again, that just kind of highlights the stability that bonds do afford us. Um, but you know, it's the old adage, trees don't grow to the sky, you know, a healthy, durable market move is going to have times of, of cooling pulling back and, and really it sets up for that durability where we can keep a bull market going longer if we get months like September. Right. So, um, you know, we actually did a podcast on volatility. Yeah. The anatomy of volatility yep. is actually special edition. So you'll be able to see that as well. Yes, absolutely. We'd encourage you to take a little time there um, and, and, and listen. And talking about volatility and you used a word and it was a keyword anticipated. Yep. I know that you know, as we talk with our clients and guide them, you know, we try to tell them how we think things might unfold. Right. There's no crystal ball, <laughs> right. but you do have a spidey sense about things. Right. And that anticipated volatility showed up. It showed up. And, you know, again, I don't want to say it was welcomed because it's never fun. I mean, it certainly requires us to engage that much more. And why, why would that require an investment advisor to engage that much more? You're looking for what we'll call an orderly drawdown when you have those um, market giveback periods. You want to see uh, certain movements within the market that don't uh, warrant further concern. So um, maybe there's an anomaly that you can tease out of the interest rate environment, or maybe you're seeing a breakdown in some component of the stock market that would cause you to dig deeper in and, and really um, try and come up with a different reason for the volatility rather than just your, your garden variety pullback. Right. right. So. And if you want more details on how we look at volatility and, you know, some of those things, try, check out that special yeah, edition podcast. Absolutely. But getting into what might have caused or some of the topics, yeah. you know, that could have led to some of the choppiness that we saw and yeah. experienced in September. One is tapering. Yeah. It's yeah. that word that we hear. You know, I think sometimes the misconception is there's no longer going to be any purchasing. Right. But... What is tapering, right? Or how did it affect it this time? So let, let's uh, let's build this out a little bit. Um, what we're talking about is Fed tapering their asset purchase program. So back when COVID hit, COVID impact, um, it, let's just face it, investors were looking to sell everything. It was one of those sell everything moments. And who's going to buy? If everybody's selling, who's going to buy? You need a buyer mm -hmm. to substantiate a price. That's price discovery. Well, when nobody's buying because what do we do with this? Yeah. Well, that's when the Fed stepped in and said, look, we'll buy. Right. 
Right. We'll buy this stuff. We'll put, we'll put a bid out there. Well, we've gotten to a point now where the economy is reopening and whatnot, and, and you want to see a responsible Fed action. And what that means is there's probably less accommodation needed. There's probably people that would step up, investors that would step up and buy those assets, even if the Fed wasn't there. So the current structure that we have right now is the Fed is buying $120 billion worth of paper every month. Mm-hmm. That is essentially them injecting $120 billion of money supply every month into the economy. That's stimulative in nature. Well, there's a point at which you try to be responsible about the stimulus that you're putting to work. And, you know, you got to start walking some of that back because if you right. keep it up too long, you'll start to encounter some inflationary concerns. So this is the game plan uh, that's been laid out right now. Now, this could always change. <laughs> you right. always got to watch for movements. But in November, it looks like we'd walk that back by about 12.5%. Instead of buying $120 billion a month, down to $105 billion a month. You know, um, I think the Fed's really focused on backing off on mortgage-backed securities, which they are buying right now. Right. So um, we got to stay tuned to that. We really have to stay tuned to that because I would argue of all the things on the horizon right now that can cause market choppiness, the the headline flow out of that situation right there is going to be extremely market moving. Right. So the tapering is they're still buying, just maybe not as much. They're still buying a massive amount, a (laughs) massive amount. And I mean, probably mid-year next year or end of the year next year, we'll see the program wind down. And that's okay because if it's wound down, that just means we have what's called organic economic growth rather than synthetic economic growth created by money supply. Right. Yep. One of the other topics that we see and we've heard, and we could go back to almost all of our podcasts since it started, is inflation and the concerns surrounding it, you know, and that it's still prevalent. And now we're seeing some of those concerns come out in the form of volatility. Sure. So inflation is something that we've touched on. And uh, last time we kind of built out the the idea of transitory. So maybe, look, we've never closed the global economy before. So yeah, opening it up, there'll be some bumps in the road. Some, you know, there's ships backed up at ports. Yeah, we get it. And that does disrupt things. It does uh, put some pressure on prices. But you know what? What else puts pressure on prices? When we have so much money supply out there in the economy, that means people can go get goods and services. Well, do we have the ability to go get more goods and services than we ever have before? And does that then put pressure on the, um, you know, just the infrastructure of our globe? So you're seeing this short term, probably price um, pressure, pricing pressure higher. That should abate as we start to work out logistically that global shipping environment and that global trade environment. But, you know, when you get to that idea of tapering back the asset purchase program, one of the reasons we got to do that is to control inflation. You know, when you think about a barrel of oil, you could say, well, the price of it went up. But what if I said, no, the value of the dollar just de- de- decreased? Right. So it's not that the price of a barrel of oil went up. It's more valuable to us. No, it's just that it takes more dollars now to buy to that. To buy the same amount. There you go. So when you think about all these dollars being pushed into the economy, well, then each, you know, it's this idea of scarcity. Each one is worth less and it takes more to buy a barrel of oil. So it all kind of flows together. Right. So we've got to watch that inflation and just really look at the clip that it's moving and also handicap the, the short-term um, pressures that we're seeing. And we see that costs are changed by lots of factors. And in some of our other podcasts and in conversations with clients, we've talked about inflation, deflation, transitory. You know, one of the things we haven't touched on that much is stagflation. Yeah. And you actually just somewhat described it, but a little bit more on stagflation. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the um, 
stagflation is a real problem because it's where prices are increasing, but your economy really isn't moving right. and growing. <coughs> Excuse me. So you end up with a barrel of oil costs more, but wages haven't adjusted higher to accommodate for that. Right. Right. And prices and profits get reduced. And, you know, it's some of those unforeseen things that you mentioned. So looking at inflation, stagflation, another topic that we see a lot of right now is the debt ceiling. Yep. And some of the things that are coming out of that. <clears throat> well, and <clears throat> excuse me. That's right. That was allergy season. Yeah. But um, the debt ceiling is something we tend to encounter frequently. Mm hmm. It's, uh, you know, you thought you're done with politics. You're not. Right. You know, here we are back at it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the debt ceiling should be lifted. You just get this political angling in there right now. And that's where we're at. But it does cause concern because like any, um, just think of your household. If all of a sudden all your checking accounts were frozen and you ran a business, I mean, it'd be hard to keep that business running. Right. You imagine the U.S.'s checking account being froze. Mm -hmm. That would be a problem. So, you know, there's political wrangling involved right now, but I'm very confident that will burn off, and um, it'll probably be in the final hour. Like it always is. James, you've been doing this long enough to see these debt ceiling scares. Right. I've so. seen everyone on their soapbox, <clears throat> any political party, all the politics that are involved. Yep. You know, it's prevalent. It's there. You know, we try to manage through it, yep. just like we got to manage through the, yeah. <laughs> the allergy season. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Right. But, um, no, but all of those topics that we just kind of touched on, those are topics that I guess people sometimes just kind of see in the – we see it everywhere, but we focus it on how it's affecting the U.S. economy. But a bigger topic that's kind of popped up is the Chinese real estate, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, without getting into specifics, how do, you know, we see a lot of words thrown out there like contagion and it's going to come here and it's going to yeah. cause this. Yeah. But how do we actually look at that right. and viewed with how it might affect our specific economy, the markets, and then, you know, I don't want to say most importantly, but we all care about our portfolios. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. And, I, you know, this is just one of those headlines mm -hmm. that would have uh, been teased out in September and it did cause volatility. A large, um, the largest property uh, developer in China is at risk of defaulting on their debt. I mean, that's that's a problem. But when you look at the size of the debt and when you look at the, you know, let's face it, China runs things very differently, <laughs> right? And, and so that's actually not a bad thing in this scenario right. because the hope would be that would be contained offshore and, um, you know, the Chinese would be able to deal with that. Um, with their with their own construct uh, for you know speaking to our client portfolios that's an area of the world that we try to avoid um, you know uh, for the most part so it's not like um, even that exposure would have a great impact on our client portfolios but you got to look at it, it's the global banking system right. I mean everything is interconnected mm -hmm. so I think what you do is you kind of add up the the dollars at risk say all right would that be a huge um, stress on the global banking system and I mean you know, I hate to be callous here, but no, it, it yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that you, it can't cause volatility and stuff. But um, so, again, and by the way, the Chinese property market for, I don't know, a decade has always been something you point to and goes, that doesn't make much yeah, sense. Right. So, again, that's my personal feeling on it. So um, but but I think that uh, that headline, it's a headline. Uh, we'll pay attention to it. It'll be one of those points on a graph that gets stretched 
get stressed get yeah. stretched out yeah. and yeah. you know say oh this happened on this date but the market kept moving forward. I, and i don't even know that one would make it that's true so um anyway well we've talked about all the things that are going on but how do we look for opportunities in today's market there you go and that's, that's what we need to do that's what i really want to build out right. i mean we've been doing this a long time right and so I'll, I'll tease out the debt ceiling discussion it's important to the country but I mean, to think that we would let our economy go, or, you know, our, our nation default on our debt, come on. Right. So you would look at that and say, well, that doesn't materially change the economic picture or the picture for corporate America. So that might be a good opportunity to readjust my portfolio, rebalance mm-hmm. my portfolio a little bit. Maybe I was looking to uh, walk back some of my exposure here and pick up my exposure here. And I would look for a non-material reason uh, um, I would look for not a non-material event for a price pullback, and that would provide an opportunity for me. You know, you could also say, hey, I've been looking to do a Roth IRA conversion. Right. Well, guess what? When the shares of that stock that you own or that mutual fund that you own are depressed, you can convert those shares down into your Roth IRA. And then when the market does rebound and recover, and it will, we don't know when, but right. it will, um, all of a sudden, boom, we're kind of, you've got more down in that Roth IRA than what you paid taxes on, in theory, um, if you're using that volatility to your advantage. And we're here to help with that. Free. Yeah, right. there you go. Well, if you have more questions on any of those, yeah, obviously you let us know. And Ryan, I appreciate you pushing through the allergy yeah, season. I apologize, uh, everyone viewing today, and uh, I look forward to, to next month. All right. And we'll have more topics. Well, we'll catch up with everyone then. Thanks. Thank you. Nice job, Ryan.